back to Stoop Kids 412. I am your host, Meet. Today I got my guest stopping by the Stoop, Gunnar Farad. Gunnar Farad's a local uh, kid, went to William Mary, uh, and is shot in a short film called Solo Orange, which is uh, focusing on mental health uh, and sexuality and a couple other uh, mental health aspects. Um, that are prominent on college, not just college campuses, but just in our society in general. Uh, Gunnar, welcome to the show today, man. Thank you for stopping by the Stoop. How you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's an honor to have you down here. Uh, you know, this COVID world's kind of calming down. It's nice to have people back in the studio, back stopping by the Stoop. So I appreciate you for coming down today, man. Yeah, for sure. No problem. Um, so why don't you go ahead and tell the audience just a little bit about who you are before we dive into uh, the lead role that you played in uh, Silo Orange. Uh, so I just graduated college. Uh, I played football for two years there. Mm-hmm. I quit. Um... Then I started at acting a little bit, and then I stopped with that, and then started coaching football again. So okay. been going around this football merry-go-round for a while, and yeah. you know I think I'm gonna stick with it. Okay, uh, so I'm excited for that. Yeah, um, you know I, I switched majors about four times, five times in college. <laughs> uh, started pre-med, then I realized how much of a crap show that can be. Oh yeah. Uh, then switched to business, did not like that. Just got a D and a C in micro and macroeconomics <laughs> right off the bat, so I switched to um, world performing arts because I okay. wanted to focus on music and acting. Then I just wanted to focus on acting, so I switched to uh, theater, then I switched to English, and then I switched back to kinesiology to end it all. Um, so I, I that's you know, the beauty of a liberal arts school is you can... Bounce around. Yeah, and you know there's no harm in it. Yeah, so. and what, you still graduated on time then, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so we- somehow. Holy yeah, summer classes out, <laughs> and, like, uh, yeah, it was a miracle, because, yeah. you know, one day I looked at my degree works, which is, like, what you need to graduate, and I'm like, oh, God, I don't have any of this, so, yeah, um, that's part of the reason why I switched back to kinesiology, because I wanted to graduate on time and kind of be done with school, and, yeah, uh, I actually like the major, so, you know, okay. I'm not too mad about it. Yeah, so, we started pre-med. And then, yeah, went through a bunch of different hurdles. Yeah. Uh, so along the way, then, where did this opportunity present itself uh, to, you know, to start in Soil Orange? Like, when did this start developing? Uh, and, and how long did it take you to, I guess, then feel comfortable since, like, you know, never really had any acting experience before this? Um, you know, what, when were you kind of like, okay this is something that I should pursue, this is, you know, something I want to do. When did everything just kind of start developing, and then when did you jump in? Uh, so, the summer going into my sophomore year is when I took my first acting class. Okay. And, you know, I just love the structure and the teachers. They're all about, you know, being in touch with yourself, and uh, it's, it's much less of a class than something like math. It's mm-hmm. more of like a, um, just an experience every day right. where you're in touch with humans and like you're experiencing what they're experiencing you know you do the things like the mirror drill where you're like trying to do exactly what your partner's doing and that's just a great way to like feel yourself and feel your partner 
Um, and then, so after I took that first class, I just, I didn't, I wouldn't say I fell in love with acting, but I really liked it. Yeah. So I took another acting class and then I took, and then I switched to English just because I liked writing. Um, and then in one of my essay classes, I met a kid named Isaac Davis who, uh, started his own production company while at school. Um, and he was writing a film about his friend who killed himself, um, at VCU. Okay. And, um, you know, the, he was looking for actors, so he put out an audition, uh, role. Uh, and at first I just wanted to write for the film or edit the script or whatever, but he kept pushing me to audition. And my friend Frank, who was also auditioning, pushed me to audition as well. Uh, so I eventually did, and my roommate Josh filmed it, which was kind of a funny thing because I'm no. trying to do this serious role, and all Josh and I can do is laugh and we're together, so that was hard. <laughs> uh, we shot it in my bathroom, and um, so I got casted, and you know I don't know if I got casted because the acting was good or if the yeah. director just liked my face, but <laughs> you have to have both, I guess, in a yeah. movie. Um, so then we go on this journey of Solo Orange where we're doing all the the meetings to get the script right and how do we want to go about this being respectful and like not going into too much detail to where it's kind of gruesome because some parts of life are right. gruesome especially when dealing with mental health um so like the first couple months we were just shooting b-roll which is just the this is stuff for the voiceover so right. just me by myself or but there's no dialogue um so that was pretty easy like you know just walking around trying to look sad or serious and but then we got to the dialogue, and that's something that I wasn't used to. Right. Because in acting classes, you're learning a lot of, like, Shakespeare and, like, how to be, you know, kind of extra on stage. Right. Like a theater actor would be. Um, but in film, you kind of want to be more in touch with real life. Mm -hmm. You want to make it seem real. Right. Um, but I was having a hard time, you know, being comfortable like pushing the bounds of what is real and also you know making it an interesting role yeah um so then you know that was tough and then so we shot for about seven months we took a break and you know throughout the whole thing we're like should we even do this this is a lot of work is it going to be worth it but we always came back to yes this is going to be worth it man. we got to finish so mm -hmm. you know really happy that we did it and uh i think it turned out pretty well yeah. Now you mentioned uh, a little bit about like the process and the maybe. So like, how much how much control did you have, or how much input did you have in terms of the script, in um, terms of, or even just in terms of you know where to shoot a scene? Like, did you have kind of like any input at all, or was it kind of just like left up to the production team? Um. So I'd say the director was pretty open minded when it came to. Uh, you know, opinions or anything or mm -hmm. uh, stuff like that. And, you know, uh, the script was it was written, but at the same time, a lot of it was improv, the dialogue, which is was hard for me as well because, you know, trying to think on the spot and then act about something so serious is kind of hard. And it's not like a yeah. comedy where you're just riffing and, <laughs> like, you got you to gotta be down to earth. You can't be, like, thinking in the scene. Right. Um, so that was tough. Um, but, yeah, the... Isaac was really good about taking taking um, advice and but you know at the end of the day he had what he wanted to do and if right. he got that done then he was fine with whatever okay now in terms of the mental health aspect of the movie um, you know have you had like any 
like mental health battles yourself like I, I myself have been battling mental health for the better half of a decade now um you know and I just finally got over that like kind of stigma like scarce um you know where I thought you know if I went to therapy you know people look at me differently because I'm a male uh specifically um so like have have you had any of that journeyment that yourself that you were able to then tap into to bring into this movie uh yeah for sure uh high school not so well i guess yeah high school i guess it started in like eighth grade okay just because that's when we lived in st louis and the the school that we were going to was really tough academically and Mm -hmm. i just it's not that i couldn't keep up it's that i didn't want to do any school work whether it was just because i hated it or you know it just wasn't interesting to me Um, so then I got horrible grades and, you know, I'm starting to get, um, disciplined by my parents, teachers, all that shit. Uh, so it, you know, that always on you mentally and, you know, you have acne at that age, like your lips are chapped, (laughs) whatever, all that stuff goes into it. Yeah. And you start looking at yourself in the mirror and you're a little self-conscious or whatever. And then you see someone laugh at you at, at school and all that stuff starts to build up. So then you go home and you're alone and that's all you can think about, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, starting from then, it built up and then I got... Then we came to Pittsburgh and it was a little better, like, 10th, 11th grade. Um, didn't have much time to even think about it. Uh, Central Central was... I mean, it was good. Uh, sort of found religion a little more, um, which made it better just because... You know, you're thinking everything happens for a reason, and that's just, like, kind of the glue that keeps you tied to your journey. Um, but then college came, and I sort of lost religion. I still have it. I st- It's still lost, which, no. you know, it's fine. I'm still just waiting for something to slap me in the face and be like, this is what you got to believe in. Um, but college, like, playing a sport is tough. You have a lot of time. You don't have a lot of time to think about yourself nope. and get your mental health right. And then you got to do school as well, and school sucks, especially at William and Mary, where the teachers don't show any remorse for you playing a sport. Um, so that yeah, that all weighed on it, and then I was able to pull from that and just be like, okay, I felt what I think this kid felt at this moment, right? Because he went to a Catholic school as well, okay. and you know, Catholic school is good for a lot of reasons, but it's also like very you got to conform, right? And you know, some people aren't good at that, especially a gay male, you know? Yeah it's going to be tough for him to conform to a Catholic like mold. Of, yeah. yeah. And so I think it was tough for him. And I, I could kind of pull from that, just going to a Catholic school and not saying that I hated it, but I'm saying that I could understand where. Right. I mean, felt. yeah, there was definitely like some things that we had to, you know, conform on self. And, you know, I think central like still that like does a pretty good job of giving us like the freedom to express ourselves in terms of the dress code. I mean, it's, it's a little strict, but, I mean, obviously, it could be a lot stricter. Like, we mm-hmm. could be handed bag uniforms, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, you know, you're allowed to wear the different color pants, you yeah. know? Like, I remember guys, like, wearing, you know, I remember Troy, like, walking around the halls yeah. with, like, you know, flamingo pants on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, so, yeah. like, I, I would say, like, Central, at least just on that experience, yeah, since definitely. we both shared it in terms of that Catholic institution, definitely still gave some room for mm-hmm. individual freedom and we, we, you know, we had some closeted gays that we both know that went to our school yeah. and some, uh, you know, even became open towards the end of their careers at Central. And I think maybe Central is just an exception, but at least through my experience, I never, like, felt, like, any hostility yeah, towards, towards people like that at, at our school. 
but um in terms of the conformity yeah definitely i mean there's definitely things that you know especially you're such a you're at a such a vulnerable age mm-hmm. you know what i mean like your teens like you're figuring out who you are mm-hmm. what your place is in the world you know all these existentialist yeah. things and then you go to you know a school like central where the academics are very rigorous mm-hmm. you know it's you you got to conform you got to kind of align yourself with the catholic ideal of things yeah. at least while you're in the school uh to like kind of you know not i wouldn't say get by but i guess yeah i guess kind of you yeah. know kind of to get by i mean it just depends if you want to like fly under the radar then you want to conform but if you want to like be yourself and break the bounds of what it means to be a catholic kid yeah you know and push the edges which i think needs to be done uh, then you're gonna maybe cause some trouble, right? And, you know, I think maybe John, who was the the kid that the movie was based off of, did that in a good way, but it wasn't always, you know, accepted, right? You know, there's some old Catholic people who have the ideals of what they had in the old days, and that isn't how it is anymore. Mm-hmm. So that can be harsh on a kid who is struggling with his own identity and you know trying to find out who he really is. Yeah, and I think the thing is too, which you know, institutions are always so slow to change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think, and th- this has always been kind of my problem with organized religion, especially Catholic being that, you know, I was, you know, baptized and, you know, raised mm-hmm. Catholic and shit, is that, you know, for, you know, like, if you don't go to church on Sunday, you know, you're bad Catholic. You mm-hmm. know, like, if you don't do this, you're a bad Catholic. If you eat fish, or if you don't, if you eat meat on Fridays during Lent, you're a yeah. bad Catholic. Like, come on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, definitely. come on now. That's the At the end of the day, is like, if I, you know, if I know, like, you know, Jesus, you know, came, died for me, he's the son of God. Like, mm-hmm. if I, if I believe in, like, the, the, tr- like, the story of the, of Christianity, and I believe in that higher power of God and, like, his son, the Trinity, I feel like that's enough. Mm-hmm. And I feel like religion anymore, to me, has, is, is shaped from, it's not so much like yes community is still important praying community is still important to me but i feel like to me i've kind of individualized my religion Mm -hmm. because you know if we're if we're all children of god like you know creating god's image yeah then that means we all have our own way then to connect to god yeah it doesn't need to be through church it doesn't need to be you know, it doesn't need to be that I'm at church every Sunday, you know what I mean, to, to experience my connection with God. Uh, as long as I can do it on my own and mm-hmm. I'm faithful in doing it on my own, you know what I mean? Even just, like, holding, making sure you're holding the door open for somebody, yeah. like, you know, walking mm-hmm. out of the store or helping somebody across the street. Yeah. Like, all those little acts of kindness, in my opinion, are what make you the good Catholic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, just... Th- thinking what would Jesus do is the easiest yeah. thing like then I'm doing everything that I think Jesus would like right and I think he'll be okay with me you know right um whatever but some sometimes the people that overtly preach Catholicism are the ones that are the least moral which is something to <laughs> I don't know but you know I found that true sometimes and it's just such a malleable thing I think that's mm. not portrayed as malleable yeah um but i don't know um but yeah just able to pull from that and uh you know uh sometimes just listening to sad music before a scene or whatever that helps just yeah. you know get in the mood 
but I really just wanted to stay authentic and use my own experiences to portray his. So mm-hmm. I think that's important in acting. Now, you said you talked to um, John, right? Mm-hmm. You said you talked to John's mom uh, a couple times, you know, to, to kind of just get a feel of what her perception of her son was, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of make that. I feel like that was an important connection to make if you're going to, you know, be playing the role of her son. You know, I feel like that was definitely a, 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 a pretty crucial relationship to form. Yeah. Um, you know, talk to me a little bit about how that was. I mean, I'm sure it was probably heavy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, so I called her and, you know, things were all right. Uh, the more she told me about John, the more I realized that he's a lot like me uh, in the sense that he's pretty empathetic. He uh, has a lot of sympathy. He's He's a quiet kid around people that he's not comfortable with but then when he is comfortable with someone he'll be more uh extroverted and stuff like that so i'm like oh Mm -hmm. yeah i can relate to that a lot um but the more she talked about him i could hear her voice kind of quivering and like the more sad she got so it was hard to just listen to someone feel so much pain yeah just talking about her son you know uh so just sitting there trying to console her was difficult for me i've never been in a situation like that really um, but, you know, it's something I'll never forget, and, you know, it'll make me love my children even more and appreciate my parents even more. Yeah. And just life in general. It was a pretty surreal moment, so. But it helped me a lot with the, the film as well, so. What are some things that you learned through living, you know, per, like acting and, like, kind of putting yourself in John's shoes? Uh, when you were filming, um, even like I'm sure outside of film, you mm-hmm. know I mean like you're you're constantly like trying to figure out even better ways to apply the information that you mm-hmm. were given about him uh, to you know, better better yourself and better your performance. So what are what are some of the things that while you were you know learning about John and his life and the things that he went through and how he was dealing with them, what have you learned about yourself? through this process because I feel like that it's definitely an eye-opening experience mm-hmm. when you're trying to portray somebody else but then it's like you find like some commonality between the two and it's like oh shit I didn't even realize that I was feeling this way about this certain event yeah um, I think I realized that like you know empathy is good but at the same time it can be very detrimental to you mm-hmm. because you empathy literally is when you feel what other people are going through you feel what they feel so when like, when I see my mom sad, I I'm feeling what she's feeling, and that's making me sad. So that's good because I am able to, you know, talk to her and whatever. But at the same time, I'm feeling sad for some reason that I'm not actually sad. I'm just feeling what she's feeling. Like, mm-hmm. like recently my grandpa passed away. Sorry for your loss. That's all right. Uh, but uh, you know he was, he was a good grandpa in the sense that he was interested in like football and whatever. But he wasn't a good grandparent or parent in the sense that he was, you know, he was a misogynist and stuff like that. So he wasn't a good parent to my mom and her two sisters. Mm -hmm. Um, He was never really there for them in that sense. Um, So I wasn't really, I mean, of course I was sad, but at the same time I wasn't very close with him. So it's not like I lost someone very close to me. But I could tell that my mom was beat up, so I'm feeling very sad. Not because he passed, but because right. she's sad. Um, and I, I kind of learned to just... You gotta fight for yourself a little bit more in those senses and, you know, stay grounded. 
mm-hmm. to how you're actually feeling. Um, and then I've also, and you got to make decisions for yourself because when you start making decisions for other people, then down the line, that's going to cause problems. Right. Because you didn't feel that way originally, wasn't genuine. So, um, and then I realized that I just got to be more patient. You know, just going through the whole film, just realizing and more accepting. You know, feeling, trying to feel how someone feels when they want to kill themselves is very heavy. Um, and feel I never want to feel that way again. And I never want someone to do what John did uh, that's close to me or, you know, in general, of course. So I, the more accepting and the more patient I am with people, then the better it'll be for them and for me. Mm-hmm. So just taking away those big life lessons to, um, that'll help me in the future was important. Yeah. Now, in the, we, there was no scene of you know, his, uh, of his suicide. Um, you know, I remember watching, uh, 13 reasons why. And I remember, mm-hmm. I believe it was the first season, wasn't yeah. it? Where, she, where, um, tub, yeah. yeah. And I remember like watching that scene and I was like, Oh my God. Like, you know, for somebody like myself, you know, I've, I've attempted, uh, four times and, you know, like to see, like, I, I know I was not, a, I was never a cutter. Uh, mm-hmm. but like, to see I know like even though it was like you know not real obviously but like to just see how gruesome that that was um in in 13 reasons I like was there a moment where you guys thought about you know Mm -hmm. obviously the 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 death scene or was that just kind of always off the table just because of the personal relationship that you know Isaac had with John and then also because of the parents um so in the original script it was actually in there like a scene where he's cutting himself or whatever or um but we decided that it wasn't important and like it would have been scarring and you know maybe a flat like a warning would have been needed but we thought it would be better to just leave it out and you know I think it was the right choice yeah because you don't want any any triggers really Right, you know, uh, so yeah, I think we made the right choice by leaving it out. Yeah. Uh, so then, when you when you decide not to include a death scene, right? Then you know because obviously that that would be a very impactful situation on its own, just that scene, standalone scene alone. So what have, what did you guys then go do, uh, or maybe you didn't even at all re re go through like readapt the script, but after pulling that out. Um, if you did, where where did you go and like readapt the script to make sure that, okay, we're not showing this. So where can we get deeper? Where can mm-hmm. we show how really broken this kid was to drive himself mm-hmm. to suicide without showing it? So I think the di or not the dialogue, the monologue, um, the voiceover does a really good job of showing what he was feeling mm-hmm. because the kind of the whole point of the film was to show how someone can seem fine when they're with their friends or when they're with groups of people. Right. But when they're alone, that's when they're really fighting their demons. So we thought the voiceover, while I'm walking through campus, you know, sad thinking, we thought the voiceover would be great to illustrate how when he's alone, he's really, really um, not right in the head. He's not thinking good thoughts. He's just hating everything. Or he's not hating everything, but he's hating everything he's done, hating how this is like this, and 
he can't come to grips with this. So I think that's where we thought it would be a good place to, you know, go into detail about how, or go into the mind of someone who's suffering from, you know, mental health problems. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think the writer, his name was Graham, did a really good job of making it sound poetic, but also making it sound real and showing the problems that John might have gone through. Yeah. Um, and then within the dialogue, or within the voiceover, there's some really specific things to John that Isaac knew and put in there. Um, because Isaac's dad uh, is a pastor or preacher or something like that, so Isaac was pretty religious. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's when John was fighting his his fight with religion. So they're two counterparts, John and Isaac, but they're best friends. Yeah. And, you know, Isaac sees all the good in life, and he, he knows there's an afterlife, but John's fighting, like... I'm not accepted. I don't think there's an afterlife. What's the point of life? You know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was in the in the voiceover as well, and and then the final scene we didn't is with me and Frank, who's the other actor, which is John and Isaac in real life. Okay. Um, in bed, and I'm writing the suicide note before he comes in the room, and then he comes in and he makes me read it, and I start reading it, and then it transitions to just him reading the note, um, and then me being gone. So. That's one way that we showed the actual, like, disappearance of John. Yeah, that, that, I remember, like, I was, uh, I was on that couch that you're on right now, and I was watching that movie, and that scene, dude, was so beautifully done, Mm -hmm. honestly. I mean, to, like, I had, I had goosebumps, because, you know, like, it was kind of like, since I'm still here, obviously, Mm -hmm. like, it, it was almost like I got to see what if I if I would have been successful if those attempts would have been successful mm-hmm. it's like I, it was almost like it allowed me to think of the notes that I left yeah. and like how that would have made like you know my mom my dad my sisters feel mm-hmm. you know my friends and you know it, it was kind of like a real grounding moment yep. for somebody that has been through that mm-hmm. um, and you know along this along the way um, did you notice any heightened in your um, like mental health like did you notice like if you were maybe more depressed than usual or like mm-hmm. your anxiety you know has skyrocketed like maybe I don't know I, I have it pretty not not so frequently but I, I'll have panic attacks yeah so like when I'm in like real stressful situations or where stuff's just too heavy at the moment I'm just not able to decompress at all yeah um you know, how, how is your mental state going through this? Um, there's times where it's pretty rough just because the long days, uh, I come home at like one in the morning after filming. Cause I lost weekends from like my whole junior year, mm-hmm. not whole junior year, but like from October to March, I didn't have any weekends to like go out or go to any football games because we were filming mm-hmm. um, so I'd come home from long days and just be so mentally exhausted from literally being sad on purpose right. on the screen you know so it was just heavy I'd come home and just be so kind of upset and just exhausted from from working uh, I just didn't want to do anything else and that's part of mental health is you just don't want to do stuff sometimes Yeah, you just become lazy and I've suffered with that a lot like ah, uh, what's what's the point? You know, like I don't I don't need that. I don't need to do that. Uh, 
that's kind of where my mental health goes, um, which sucks because you want to do stuff. That's right. the point of life. But yeah, it just made me made me tired, made me lazy, and like I don't know if if my mental health worsened, but my mood was definitely a little uh, short fused. Yeah, you know. And that sometimes I just get mad with Isaac because I didn't want to film that day, or and I wasn't trying to be a diva or anything. Yeah. I just like didn't have it in me. I didn't want to do it for twelve hours again. Yeah. So, but we got through it. Yeah, it's you know? definitely a grueling process. Mm-hmm. So take me a little bit behind the scenes of of the movie, and you know, let's talk a little bit about one, just like the production team and you know everything, like Isaac. Let's talk a little bit about who Isaac is. Mm-hmm. Um, and what he meant, like what John meant to Isaac. So Isaac, uh, he's my he was my year at William and Mary. Okay. Um, just so driven. I think he's wanted to be an act or a director since he was like two. I don't know because that's just how it how it seems. Yeah. Um, he knows what he wants. He's gonna get it done. He'll do anything to get it done. Whether it's like running U-hauls and like moving his camera equipment around. He he was in a frat. So all of his camera equipment was just in the, the basement of the frat. Yeah. And we'd have to move it every day, or every time we film, we'd have to pick it all up, pack it in the U-Haul, and then drive to, like, just two minutes away um, on campus. But that's what you got to do. And Isaac was going to, whether anyone helped him or not, he was going to get it done. He was going right. to get all the cameras there, all the lights. Um, and, you know, he had some boys with him who helped him a lot. Uh, and Hassan was one of them. Uh, one of his loyal friends who kind of was in the production company with him and then uh, like Anderson Frank is one of his friends all of them were gonna ride for Isaac and you know do whatever he needed to get done to film Mm -hmm. this and then uh, the surrounding crew people like Brooke Alicia um, Devin you know people that were like whether they're plugging stuff in packing it all up in the car unpacking uh, fixing the room up for the scene, you know, and they're all volunteers, so they're not mm-hmm. getting paid, but they're still there for like eight hours, ten hours. Right. So, I mean, what they did was just as important as what I did, I think. Um, but yeah, when you talk about Isaac and John, you're just talking about two best friends, you know, and John liked movies just as much as Isaac did, and that's what they wanted to do together. They always talked about creating films together and. Um, sadly they never got the chance but that's just what John was to Isaac you know he was going to be a partner with in the film stuff he's going to be a best friend who's there to go to museums with Isaac talk to Isaac laugh together cry together all that stuff so I can't really imagine what Isaac was going through filming this trying to make it real but at the same time trying to make it real causes him to be placed back in that scenario where he was with John you yeah. know so uh, it takes some nuts to do what Isaac did, so. Yeah, definitely. It's like you're reliving everything yeah. that was cut short, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that that, you know, for Isaac is definitely his own like, like roller coaster mm-hmm. that he had to deal with during that time. Yeah. And so, like, in terms of the community with the crew, through all this, I mean, just because this was a heavy production in terms of the backstory to it, you know, was there moments where you know everybody was kind of just like after a scene just kind of depressed like um, flat, you know what I mean everybody just kind of needed to like come together and like 
Like, did you just have, like, do you guys, like, at any point kind of just have, like, a breakdown as, like, a crew or, you know, after, like, shooting a scene where you guys kind of just all needed to come together for mm-hmm. a minute and just be like, let's take some time, like, let's regroup, like, let's take this in and, you know. I think uh, that happened twice, for me at least, that I know of, was the voiceover when we were doing the voiceover. It was just me, Isaac, um, Carter, who was another one of Isaac's right-hand man. He did all the sound stuff. Okay. And then uh, Graham, the writer of the voiceover, we it just felt so real to Isaac, and he said the way that I said it all was just very real, that we had to just like step out of the room and like all go our separate ways, mm. and just because Isaac was just feeling it way too much, yeah, um, which is very understandable. Um, it just hit way too, way too deep, which is what the the point of the movie was but at the same time it's you know like I said he's just reliving it or right um, and maybe a lot of it he might not even been ready for yet yeah I don't think he was ready for the voiceover part because it talks um, about him and John in the voiceover so yeah um, but then I think at the premiere as well when we showed the movie to everyone and you know you could see the behind the scenes afterwards and everything that's when it was like wow we really did this um and everyone came together yeah. and we were all there together you know hugging and all that and that's when it felt really real and really rewarding too as well yeah talk to me a little bit about the premiere where did you guys do the premiere and uh, just talk to me a little bit about that event and that night um, so we did the premiere at at school in one of the theaters there mm-hmm. um, we sold tickets and then we donated the tickets whatever was left to uh, to the John has a foundation, and then there's another foundation at William Mary, which just goes through the like the uh, health and wellness center. So we donated the rest of the ticket sales to that after we paid for the premiere, like whatever the cost was, yeah. to get the flyers and posters and all that. But um, so we started off. Isaac would introduce the actors and the crew and everyone. Then we would play the movie, and then afterwards we'd have behind the scenes and like the. Uh, um, I forget what it was called. It was like interviews and stuff. Okay. Um, so that was really cool to see, and you know, you get like a whole flashback of what you went through, and then you get to recap it all with the interview. Um, but just everyone that came out, I really appreciated, and you know, all the, the you know, the reassuring compliments afterwards was nice. Mm-hmm. Because again, we're not professional actors, or we're not professional directors, or camera people. We're just students doing this right. in our free time. Um, but yeah, it was really rewarding to see everyone that showed up. I think we sold out both times. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, just having people that care about me come was, it was nice. Yeah. Now in terms of, so like this was, like we said earlier, this was your first gig. Uh, so what, how was that just experience just overall was just in terms of getting out acting and then, you know, going through the grueling process of you know, shooting the film and then to see it all, you know, at the, at the premiere, just all finished and everything. So like, how was that for you as an actor in Mm -hmm. terms of, you know, what, like maybe this is something, you know, I might still want to dabble in, you know, even though we've, how you mentioned you've changed your degree since then, but is this still something that like maybe you see yourself doing? Um, I've thought about it and I, I don't know if I have that, that driven passion for it, you know, that I'd want to work 
tirelessly for, mm-hmm. which upsets me, but at the same time, it's just how I am. You know, I don't want to do something that I don't love very much. And I just have such bad stage fright that I just fighting that was a whole battle in itself. So I don't think I would do acting. Maybe comedy, just because it's lighter. Yeah. And I think I like it more. You know, to have your first role be that role was kind of tough. Yeah. Um, but just, like, in terms of the process of acting, like, I'm like, why the hell am I doing B-roll not talking to anyone for two months and then Isaac shows you a shot where like the fog goes over the trees and the lights and everything you're like oh shit that's nice <laughs> and so that's rewarding and then you see the movie and you're like wow this turned out really well yeah. and you don't know what's gonna happen but Isaac just found a way to put it all together pretty perfectly Yeah. so yeah he made it all worth it I'd say now we're at, at, at did you know it was gonna be 30 like what is it 35 minutes uh, yeah, 35? No, yeah. I didn't. I thought, at the at one point, I thought it was going to be like an hour and a half just yeah. because we were shooting so much. <laughs> so, like, when you, like, at, at the point where you kind of, like, you know, found out where it was only, like, a half-hour movie, were you like, holy fuck, like, we did all this shooting for just a half an hour? Yeah, like pretty much, yeah. I was like, wow, that's how much it takes, but I, I mean, yeah. So, but I'm kind of glad it was shorter. Yeah. You know, it's more accessible, and more people, I think, will watch it. I think it was more... I think it was more impactful mm-hmm. that it was shorter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, obviously, like, you can you could extenuate scenes and you can mm-hmm. extenuate the dialogue, and but I think the way that Isaac put it together, I think, was the right way. Yeah. I think it was it was short, it was compact, it was mm-hmm. right to the point, and I think that's what really made it pop to yeah. me, at least, was just like I want like in a half hour you went through such a an emotional roller coaster, and such an deep one too mm-hmm. just because like it's not just uh like depression anxiety but we're getting into like sexuality mm-hmm. and like you know the the contemplation of the self in terms of you yeah. know battling like we're religion and sexuality mm-hmm. and and really getting into that existentialist you know realm of mm-hmm. like this is some heavy this is some really heavy topics that are being yeah portrayed in this movie in such a short amount of time and like like i said you go on such a roller coaster through them and at the end of the movie like i was laying i was laying on that couch and i was crying like Mm -hmm. at that scene you know where where you know the where he goes and picks up the note and Mm -hmm. john's not there anymore well you weren't there anymore and i was just like i like lost it because i was like i was not I was expecting it, but I wasn't expecting it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because like I was looking for that, that scene, like that death scene, and then yeah. but then the way that you guys ended it was just so much better and so much more powerful. Because like suicide, the act should not that should not define you. Just yeah. like if you have cancer, that should not define you. Like my mm-hmm. grandfather also just passed away back mm-hmm. in January. And, you know, he was diagnosed with uh, stage four liver back in late September, early October. Yeah. And he passed away in January from it. But, like, he was Mm -hmm. 83, no, 84, I'm sorry, 84 years old. Yeah. Cancer was a very, very small portion of his life. Yeah, he lived a very full life. Right. It's like he shouldn't just be remembered for Mm -hmm. dying of cancer. Like, there's a whole other story behind it. And I think that's what sometimes gets lost um, when suicides do happen is everybody's so focused on what happened in that moment rather than 
what drove this kid to that point that's what's really important because it's not you're not going to be able to fix mental health in america by just looking at the suicide and Mm -hmm. the act of suicide yeah it's the attributing factors along the way that build up and surmount over time Mm -hmm. that cause people to go that way because you know it's you get to a point where it's like I'm tired of suffering. I'm. I just want to be happy for once. Yeah. And it's like, unfortunately, it's like you get to the. We get to the point where it's like you think that death is what's gonna give you happiness. Mm-hmm. And then for some people, they it, it they go through it and you know, mm-hmm. they end up on the other side. And it's like, I hope they're happy. And yeah. like I hope that they're feeling that relief that they want. But at the same time it's terrible yeah. that we live in a society in such a where where we are in just terms of technology and just like how much more advanced that we are as yeah. a race of people but yet these factors like something like mental health is still one like demonized yeah but almost like a, even more so i feel like if you're a man you yeah. know what i mean there's a different there's just a different level of Stigma, you know, what I mean, there's a different stigma. So, I want to know uh, if you, uh, through you know your your portrayal of John, um, and then even in your own battle, uh, what have what what has it been like to kind of deal with that stigma, and where do you think, you know, in in what you know of John through portraying him, where do you think he was with that? Um, I just think. John was at the point where he just didn't feel like he was as much of a person because of the eyes of others in this life. Um, So he just wanted to leave, Um, you know, and he, uh, I think he wanted to be himself so much and the the self that he wanted to be was frowned upon by other people Mm -hmm. that he just didn't feel comfortable being himself which caused him to do what he did, um, which is so sad. Um, and then me, I just, like, going from eighth grade to now I'm 22, dealing with it this whole time, it's been weird because you get stuck in these holes where you can't really get out of. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you start, you change your whole mindset sometimes, and you can't really dig yourself out of a depressed mind state. Like, it takes a lot of time to think positively and think like that there's a purpose and a worth to living um and that doesn't just change overnight you know because like i've had moments where i've been happy but the next hour the next day or week i'm back in that hole where i think that i'll never be happy or the hole grows and i think that you know there's no point to living right now like Mm -hmm. why am i alive if i don't believe in this or that right um so just going through that is tough and you know you just hope it'll change but you really gotta work for it to change it's not just gonna happen you know Um, so just going to therapy helps just being able to talk to someone who's neutral and who doesn't really know you and won't judge you that helps a lot Um, there's definitely there's a bunch of different ways like for me being organized and having a schedule is one way that I can avoid being depressed just because I won't get bombarded with things that I don't know are coming that's mm-hmm. one way that I you know when I get 
swarmed with work or whatever, and I just feel like I there's no way I can finish all this, that's when I start to just give up. Um, so there's just different ways for everyone. Working out helps. Uh, playing sports, hanging out with people, being social, I think is a good way. Um, yeah, it just... You know, you gotta fight your own fight. No. But you also have to have a, a good group of friends that'll be there for you and fight with you. Right. So. Now, in terms of your mental health, did you notice? Because like, my biggest hurdle was when I quit for quit football, mm-hmm. and you know I played my first year at Duquesne. You know, I, it was alright. You know. Mm-hmm. Like, wasn't, when I was at Central and, like, we were leaving senior year, like, I wasn't even sure I wanted to play. But I was like, ah, you know what, I got the opportunity. Let's, yeah. let's try it out, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, after I quit, I kind of went through this period where, of a better half, I would say of a year, where I didn't, one, I kind of lost who I was. Mm-hmm. Because my identity at that point in my life had been so wrapped up in sports you know because that's just everything that I've done my whole life you know played start playing sports at a very young age and that's just kind of what our whole family was like revolved around with sports Mm -hmm. so and like you know and I feel like it's similar to you I mean your dad was in the NFL constantly surrounded by football yeah so you know when I lost football when I quit it was like I lost like some of myself but I lost this ability to deal with my emotions yeah you know I mean like I was always like Cause I always buried everything and I mm-hmm. still do. I still have, I'm still working through that. Like yeah. not trying to shove everything mm-hmm. down and bury it and let it just eat away at me. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, football was my release. You know what I mean? I can yeah. just go out and just fucking hit somebody and yeah. just be, mm-hmm. you know, fine. Like I can't get in trouble, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's allowed. But, um, where, where were you at when you quit? And then like, is that, did acting, was that like kind of like, did that help in this transition where it's like kind of need to refigure out who you were for a little bit because football had also been wrapped up in your identity Mm -hmm. for so long um so what was that process like when you quit from william mary's team to Mm -hmm. then that journeyman into into acting um i think quitting really helped because i wanted to quit like freshman year i kind of wanted to quit Mm -hmm. i was just like this isn't for me anymore i want to I want to, there's a, I'm not just a football player, right. you know, and a student. I'm like, I'm creative, I, I like to think, I like to write, but I don't get a chance to do all that, or at least I'm not doing it. And whether football's holding me back or not, I need to do that to feel like my full self. So once I quit, I started writing poetry, um, you know, started, started working out more in a more healthy way, you know, I'm not putting 400 pounds on my back. Right. I'm, I'm just like benching a lighter weight I want to look good you know yeah I want to feel comfortable with my own skin I don't want to have hurt knees and hurt back and like hurt neck all the time yeah so just like a relief of that physical pain helps um and then a release of like I don't have to work out at five in the morning because I am told to I want to work out at five in the morning because I want to and just having like the freedom of being yourself because football is just like catholic school in a way where you have a strict schedule right you have to go to study hall, you have to do this, you have to do that, which is really good for some people, but for someone like me, is not the best. Mm-hmm. Um, so just quitting that and being able to explore myself more was really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think quitting was probably one of the 
not saying I hate football. I love football, you know? Right. And I'll, I'll watch football and support football till the day I die. But playing was just, I had enough. Yeah. Like after whatever, 20 years of playing, I was done. Yeah, it was like, it was time to start that next chapter. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, now, moving forward, uh, in terms of John and his story, is is that done? Or is there, or is, um, is there talks of, like, something else coming out of this? Just, uh... I think Isaac just wants everyone to, as many people as they can see the movie, mm-hmm. he just wants people to watch it now and just spread awareness. Yeah. Uh, so it's on YouTube if you just type in Solo Orange and it'll come up. Um, but, you know, that's the whole point of it in the first place, was to just spread awareness, so. Yeah. Um, we did our little gauntlet with, like, the, the festivals and stuff, and we won... We won... Uh, best cinematography or something in New York okay. which was you know rewarding yeah. other like that's cool so now it's just at the point where we want it to be free and public so right. people can watch it okay yeah now what's next for you in terms of just life in general uh, mental health advocacy whatever it may be what's what's next for Gunner um so I'd like to get into coaching and at least try it while I'm young. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good platform where you can mentor young kids. And I think I have a unique journey where I can not only be a good football coach, but a good person to these kids that they may not have, you know, an open-minded family or whatever. Right. So I want to teach them that you're not just a football player. Um, and life, life is hard, but, you know, you can do it. And I think a lot of football players need that. Because they live in such a, you know, a rock and roll world where it's just full speed, twenty four seven. That they need some, some people like me that can slow things down and you know really let them know the importance of life. I'm not trying to use you to win games. I'm here to help you as right. a person. So I'd like to try that while I'm young, and you know, if I like that, I'll stick with it and see where it takes me. Um, and then maybe massage therapy because I think that's a peaceful and calm profession where I can help people and then maybe in turn it'll help me as well just being you know in a dark room um with candles and music and you know just being peaceful for most of my day I think would be nice yeah so uh, we'll see uh, and then trying to stay in touch with the arts maybe write some but just for, as a hobby yeah yeah so I'm excited for this next chapter of being a uh, an adult a graduate yeah so yeah we'll see what comes of it yeah, it's definitely going to be an exciting period. Uh, definitely have a lot of avenues that you can go through mm-hmm. now. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see where you end up and what short film you may end up in. <laughs> yeah. Um, or who knows, yeah. maybe maybe, maybe it, the next role is bigger. I mean, yeah. you never know when opportunity comes a knocking. I mean, True. we doesn't know what life holds for us. And I think if there's anything that this year has taught me is that you don't know what tomorrow holds. I mean, yeah. you know, the, our world is not in a great place right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the biggest movement right now, obviously, is now whites, you know, hash, you know, hashtag white silence and then the Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. you know, obviously with George Floyd. So I think something in terms of the mental health aspect of what's going on in our country right now um, I think like that's where we're starting to see this this breakdown. You know what I mean? And, yeah. Um, you know, and I and I think a story like John's, um, I think during this time 
might be what people need. And I'm not saying that, you know, stuff like George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement isn't important and you shouldn't be supporting that. I'm not saying that at all because I think that it is important. And as, you know, two white guys sitting in the room, I think it's important for us to, and I think we kind of both agree mm-hmm. on this, like to acknowledge our privilege and to acknowledge yeah. like the platform that we do have and to utilize it to help the African-American community yeah. within our country. Um, you know, so I thank you for coming that to the stoop today. Yeah, thanks it's, for having me. It's been it's been awesome. Yeah. Uh, please give yourself a shout out. Uh, that way, people know where to find you and where to find uh, Silo Orange. Uh, so you can follow me on Instagram at Gunner underscore Farat. Uh, Twitter at Stick to Your Gun. Uh, with two ends. Uh, Silo Orange is also has an Instagram, but it's more important that you just watch it on YouTube. Just type in Solo Orange. You can watch all the behind the scenes and all that. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks for having me. And yeah, um, yeah, I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. <laughs> if I can just get one piece of advice from um, pretty much like in terms of the, the production, the movie, like just anything to do with the mental health and what you've learned from that whole, like this whole experience, what's like one piece of advice that you would want to leave the audience? Um, one thing I, I would say that you know resonates very deeply with me is you have to do whatever it is that you want to do because people say that life is short but at the same time life is long as hell so if you're doing something that you don't want to be doing it's just going to be even longer um once you find what you're passionate about uh just chase it relentlessly and fall in love with working and you know the saying you'll never work a day in your life Um, which is something I'm still struggling with, but at least I know that once I feel passionate about something that I'm going to be doing it um, every day and I'll be happy with that. So just find out what you love and do that as much as you can. Mm -hmm. Awesome, man. And like I said, I thank you for stopping by to Stoop Mm -hmm. today. It's been an honor. It's been a privilege. Um, Like I said, mental health is definitely one of my big proponents because it's something I, I battle with myself. Um, and yeah, definitely, um, guys, make sure you check out Soil Orange on YouTube. Uh, very powerful movie. Um, I mean, John's life, I mean, definitely uh, was was ended too short. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I and my heart goes out to all those who were affected. Uh, to Isaac, uh, man, you put together one hell of a film, and um, you know, definitely looking forward to seeing his work in, mm-hmm. in the future and yeah. see where he goes. Because uh, this was only the beginning, and it was oh, yeah. it was very powerful. We've seen a lot of Isaac here in the in the future. Yeah, which I'm excited for. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you for stopping by the stoop. Um, yeah, guys, make sure you check out Soil Orange on YouTube. Uh, make sure you check out our website as well, www.stoopkids s t o p k i d z four one two dot com. Uh, all the episodes are posted on the website, links to YouTube, SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, every platform you could possibly think of we're on. Um, and also make sure that during this time that you are staying aware, staying safe, uh, and advocating for what causes you think are important to you in your life and where you want to see change. The only way we're going to institute change in this world is one, by getting out and voting this election year, and two, by just being true to yourself and any opportunities that are presented to you, just make sure you capitalize on them. Uh, thank you for tuning in to Stoop Kids 412. I am your host, Meet, signing off. Stoop Kids 412.
Kids. Four, one, two.